Hey, Agile fans, welcome to the next episode of Agile Bytes. It's the podcast put on by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we are building software in an agile manner day in and day out. I am feeling fancy because I am wearing my fancy shoes, and today we are going to talk about a fancy topic. I'm going to whisk you away to the mystical land of Monaco, specifically the Monte Carlo Quadrant. It's a land of fast racing. It's a land of high-end resorts and the Monte Carlo Casino, which gave rise to the methodology we're going to talk about today, which is running Monte Carlo simulations. You may have heard about Monte Carlo as you've done your inquiries into things like estimation, agile prediction, and things like that. Usually it comes up when there's some kind of debate about story points. Somebody helpfully interjects, you should be doing Monte Carlo. Well, this sounds kind of cool. It sounds kind of exotic. And if you don't know what it is, that's what today's episode is about. Now, I'm going to put in a little bit of a qualifier that Monte Carlo simulations are a bit hard to get across purely verbally. Normally, I do a little bit of a workshop on this, even if it's just 15 minutes, so I can show people the charts and the simulations, and you can kind of see the data set and see how all this is working. For those of you that are just listening to the podcast, just the raw audio, it's going to be a little tricky to explain exactly what's happening here, but I'm really going to do my best. As always, feel free to reach out to me if you have questions or you just want to hop on a Zoom call and talk about some of this stuff. But we're going to talk about Monte Carlo simulations today. So the real question that Monte Carlo simulations are designed to answer is when will things be done? And that question is asked of a body of items as opposed to a single item. Daniel Vacani has written a couple of different books on this subject and has taught many different seminars. And he will point out, rightfully so, that when you're looking at single items and how long a single item will take, you can get a pretty good idea of that from the trends in your cycle time. But a lot of times when we're doing project work, what we really need to know is when is a body of features likely to be done? Either marketing needs to know a window or we've promised users functionality by a certain period of time. And it's usually not one thing, it's a bunch of things. Or even we might be at the beginning stages of a product and we think we can probably get something out the door, an MVP out the door, in a couple of months, it would be nice to know as early as possible if that was realistic or not. And that's where Monte Carlo simulations come in. It's answering that question, when will a number of work items be done? When will a group of them be done? So here's what Monte Carlo basically is. And I'm going to try to give you the most stripped down definition I can. Please don't go to get your mathematics PhD and say this is what Monte Carlo is. But for those of us doing software project forecasts, this definition will work just fine. Monte Carlo is basically when you have a data set from the past, usually you've got some existing data set, and then you've got points that are unknown. These are usually points in the future. What you do is randomly select points from the data set that you have to fill out the points in the data set that you don't have. Okay, so you're basically sort of constructing a new data set out of your historical data through a process of random selection. And then after you filled out all your unknown points, you look at that and that's one simulation. And then you do this over and over and over and over again, and you begin to aggregate the results and you see kind of how the patterns lay out, what kind of results tend to happen most commonly. So we're using random selection to solve these kind of non-deterministic problems. How many things will we get done, for instance, in the future? So let me give you an example. Let's say 
that I get sick of this whole software development thing. Maybe something happens to my taste buds and I don't care about good coffee anymore. And I decide to open a Starbucks franchise. And so I opened my Starbucks and over time, I see how many customers we have per day. I'm in business for a while and I'm kind of trying to figure out things like how much inventory to have on hand, how much staff I should have on a daily basis. And I'm a rookie at all this, right? So I don't really know. And then I get to a point where I go, okay, I want to figure out how many customers I'm likely to have in the next 30 days. I don't know that, right? That's my unknown. I have 30 unknown slots. How many customers will I have per day going out to 30 days? What I do have, though, is a set of data on how many customers I've had every day up to that point. Let's say I've been in business for nine months. Okay, so I've got roughly 270 days of data. I have 270 days where I had a certain amount of customers. Maybe some days I had 300, some days I had 500, but I have that data set. I'm trying to predict the next 30 days. So what I'm going to do is take my existing data set of nine months. I'm going to randomly pick days from that set of data and then use that to fill in my 30 days in the future. So for day one in the future, I'm going to randomly pick a number from my historical data set. Let's say I had 470 customers that day. So for day one, I'm going to say I have 470 customers. What about day two? Randomly pick from my historical data set. Let's say I have 610 customers that day. So in my fictional day two, I got 610 customers that day. And I'm going to repeat this process until all 30 days have been filled in. So now I have a, a projection of a future 30 days that all comes from random selections from what's happened in the past. That's just one simulation, though, that's not good enough. Because think about it. If I'm randomly selecting, I might have picked all my low numbers purely randomly. Or I might have picked all my high numbers purely randomly. That's unlikely. But it could have happened, right? So just doing one simulation is not enough. I want to do this process again and again and again and again so I can start to see patterns. So maybe after one round of simulation, after 30 days, I had 14,000 customers total. And in another simulation, I had 20,000 customers total. And in another simulation, I had 19,000 customers total. So I want to keep running these and running these and running these until I start seeing patterns emerge. I want to see how the trends in my simulation start to play out. So let's say that I discover that on average, so 50% of the time, I had at least 21,000 customers a month. So I could look at the next 30 days and say, okay, I'm going to say that I'm going to have 21,000 customers a month. But if you think about it, the average isn't really the best number to use, right? Because it's 50-50. I have at least a 50% chance of being wrong. So what I might want to do is look for a higher percentage. So half my simulations had me having at least 21,000 customers for that month. That's pretty high. What if I wanted more probability? What did 85% of my simulations come out to? And maybe, let's say hypothetically, 85% said I had at least 15,000 customers a month. It's a lower number, but the probability went up. So now as a planner, I get to decide what level of probability I'm willing to live with. Do I like the 50% number? Do I want to use that to plan off of? I could, and it might go pretty well. Or do I want to say, I think I want to be a little more conservative. I want something that's a little more probable. I'm going to go to my 85% mark. And it turns out 85% of my simulations have at least 15,000 customers. And so I say, yes, okay, so that's going to be the number I'm going to plan on. I'm going to assume that I have 15,000 customers. And the more certainty I have, the further up I go in percentages, 
the less and less guaranteed customers I'm going to have. There's probably 100% chance that I'm going to have at least one customer, but that's probably not a great planning figure. So I kind of want to find that sweet spot between high probability, but also leaving that flexibility in there to determine what's realistic. So that's basically a Monte Carlo simulation. Randomly pick data from history to simulate out a certain time period in the future and just do that over and over and over and over again and then find your trends. Well, if you followed this, then it might occur to you that we can actually use this to simulate any future trend. It's not just software development. There, I explained how we might use it to predict how many customers a Starbucks might have in the next 30 days. But we can use it to predict how many touchdowns are the Kansas City Chiefs likely to score this season. We can use it to predict what's going to happen with stock prices over the next 30 days of a particular stock that I like. In fact, if you go searching for Monte Carlo simulations, most of the things that come up are not software development, but stock market price predictors. We can use this for all kinds of historical data. Dan Vacani tells a story about it being used in World War II to predict tank movements in and out of Berlin. So we can use it to predict a lot of things. So how does this apply to software development? Well, in software development, we also have a historical data set because our teams have finished things before. And so what we do is we look back in history and we look at how often our team finishes things. We randomly select from that data to project out a future, some timeline in the future. So let's take your average software development team and I'm looking at their historical data. And on day one, they finished zero things. On day two, they finished zero things. On day three, they finished one thing. On day four, they finished zero things. On day five, they finished two things. On day six, they finished one thing. On day seven, zero things. And so on and so on and so forth. And so you see on any given day, this team probably finishes between zero and two things, which already kind of gives me an idea of what I might be expecting to see in the future, right? But those are historical data points. And let's say I want to predict how many things will my software team get done this month or in the next two weeks? Maybe my sprint is two weeks long. So I've got 14 days or I've got 30 days or whatever. So I just start randomly picking from my data set. And some days are going to have zero things. Some days are going to have one. Some days are going to be two. So I start randomly building out the next two weeks or next month. Day one, next month, my team gets, and I close my eyes and I point my finger, one thing done, right? So they got one thing done that day. Day two, randomly picked from my data set, my team gets zero things done. So that goes into my data set. So obviously the most common occurrences are the things that are going to show up in my future projection the most often as well. The assumption being that basically my team is probably going to continue to perform about the same way they've performed in the past. And I do this until my whole month is full or my two weeks or whatever my time span is. And then I look, how many things was I able to get done in that projection of the future? Let's say I was able to get done in 30 days. Let's say I was able to get 18 things done. Okay, great. Now I run the simulation again. How many things did I get done this time? 20, 21, 25, 80? How many things did I get done that time? And I want to run the simulation again and again and again and again and again and again and start to look for the patterns. Where do most of the numbers fall out? And that will give me my probability of getting a certain number of things done in those 30 days. For instance, I might look at, look at all my simulations and go, in 85% of my simulations, we finished 25 user stories or more in 30 days. So I can then take that number for planning purposes and go, hey, there's a pretty decent chance that we're going to finish at least 25 user stories next month, if not more. Right? And we can kind of use that as a planning figure. 
I can also do it the other way. I can say, how long would it take until we got 25 things done? Well, based on this simulation, it took 17 days. Based on this simulation, it took 30 days. Based on this simulation, it took 12 days. And I can see where the patterns are. I can see where the distribution of those outcomes kind of line out. And then I can say things like, hey, in 85% of my simulations, we got done with this project in two months or less. So if we're planning, we could probably plan at around two months. If we get done earlier, great. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. But based on the way our simulations turn out, turn out, there's a pretty good chance in all possible futures, most of them come out in about two months. And so I can use that for my planning purposes. That's basically what a Monte Carlo simulation is. Now, you can do a Monte Carlo simulation without any special tools. All you really need is the data set. So if you aren't already, you might start keeping track of on this date, my team finished X amount of user stories. Next date, how many user stories did they finish? Next date, how many user stories did they finish? You can start keeping track of that historical data set to randomly select from. But you can do this in Excel. I've done it in Excel for clients many times. You can roll dice. You can close your eyes and point your finger. Whatever algorithm you want to use to randomly select data, you can construct those futures out of those random selections, do it over and over and over again, and see where it takes you. The good news is this is a pretty easy thing to automate. It's easy to automate in Excel. There's automated tools that do it. Actionable Agile does it. Kanbanize does this, which is a tool that we also like to use. Many, many online Kanban boards and work management systems that are out today now allow you to do this automatically, which is great. So when I run a Monte Carlo simulation for my team, I run 10,000 of them and it happens in seconds. And then I see how those 10,000 simulations distributed out. How did most of them come out? And I like the 85% mark. I feel like 85% gives me enough probability to have confidence, but still leaves enough uncertainty that people don't have false illusions about how concrete that number is, right? There's still a 15% chance for some significant variation. So people don't have that false sense of confidence, right? This isn't a 100% prediction. It's an 85% prediction. But your number might be different. You might prefer more aggressive timelines that are lower probability. Or you might prefer higher probability, but now the timeline goes out much further to guarantee the likelihood of that probability. So you kind of find the sweet spot that you like to use for planning purposes. And that's basically what Monte Carlo is. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, Phil, that does not sound very helpful at all. That does not sound accurate. What? You, you're just randomly picking numbers from your historical data and constructing a simulation out of it and doing it over and over. There's no guarantee that real life is actually going to work out that way. You're absolutely right. And that's why we, we report based on probabilities, because that's what reflects software projects. Software projects are not deterministic. The best I can do is give you a probabilistic forecast. I can't tell you for sure if it's going to rain tomorrow, but I can tell you what the probability is that it's going to rain tomorrow, and then you have to decide what to do about that. And forecasting software is the same. Now, the million-dollar question is, does this methodology tend to be accurate? And I would like to close today's podcast with a little story about that. Because you see, when we first started doing Monte Carlo simulations, we had a client pretty early on that was starting a brand new software project. They had broken down this software project into discrete deliverable cards. They had even assigned every card to every developer going out for, you know, three, four months or so. It was September, October of 2015. And this client said, we're planning to be done by March, 2016. So about six months or so. I said, okay, 
Well, do you mind if I run Monte Carlo simulations on your team's rate of check-ins and checkouts for completion and see what that looks like? And he said, sure, fine. So I did. And most of my simulations were coming out at the end of November, December 2016. And I brought this to him and he got very upset. And he says, you don't know how fast my people are. We just got X stuff done in two weeks. My team is a lot faster than that. There's no way it's going to take us till to November or December to get this project done. I said, you know what? You're right. I don't know how fast your team is. I don't know that. And I don't know them. What I do know is when I do a probabilistic distribution of your actual completion rate, as far as source control sees it, these are the dates I come out with. And I'm not saying November, December is the date. I'm just saying March seems pretty risky. Only 7% of my simulations came out by March. And he insisted that this was just wrong. This team released in January of 2017. So this method is pretty accurate. It does a really good job. And it has the advantage of telling you these forecasts way, way, way before they become an issue when you actually have time to make plans and do something about it if you don't like the probabilities that you see. So I hope that gets you interested in Monte Carlo. Again, it's something you got to kind of see to really wrap your arms around. Reach out to me if you want to see it. It's not a big deal to set some time up with you to show you that. But I, hopefully this podcast has helped you understand what a Monte Carlo simulation is and how it can be useful for software development projects. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Agile Bites. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.